IndyCar fans, it's time to start your engines. Welcome to Pit Pass Indy, a production of Evergreen Podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Martin, a journalist who regularly covers the NTT IndyCar series. Our goal at Pit Pass Indy is to give racing fans an insider's view of the exciting world of the NTT IndyCar series in a fast-paced podcast featuring interviews with the biggest names in the sport. I bring nearly 40 years of experience covering IndyCar and NASCAR, working for such media brands as NBCSports.com, SI.com, ESPN Sports Ticker, Sports Illustrated, Auto Week, and Speed Sport. So let's drop the green flag on this episode of Pit Pass Indy. Welcome to this week's edition of Pit Pass Indy. To Ohio native Michael Shank, the Mid-Ohio sports car course is his racing home. As a young boy, Shank used to dream of attending races at Mid-Ohio and watch exotic sports cars and club racing at the facility located between Cleveland and Columbus. IndyCars arrived in 1980 with the famed Johnny Rutherford driving to victory in the Yellow Submarine, the legendary chaparral for team owner Jim Hall. IndyCars returned beginning in 1983 when Teo Fabi of Italy won and kart raced at Mid-Ohio until 2003. The current IndyCar series arrived in 2007 and have been at the popular track ever since. Both of Shank's drivers have won at Mid-Ohio. Elio Castroneves had back-to-back wins in 2000 and 2001 when he was at Team Penske. Simon Pagino also drove to victory for Team Penske in 2016. Shank is hoping to finally score an IndyCar win at his home track this weekend in the Honda Indy 200 at Mid-Ohio. I had an exclusive interview with Shank to talk about that and other topics for this edition of Pit Pass Indy. Joining us now on Pit Pass Indy, we're pleased to have Michael Shank of Meyer Shank Racing, one of the team owners of one of IndyCar's newest and brightest teams, join us. Michael, we're heading into one of your favorite weekends of the year. It's going to be 4th of July weekend at Mid-Ohio, and knowing that you're an Ohio boy, I'm sure that's got to be uh, one of your favorite weekends of the entire season. It's always good to come home, and we've uh, we've been on the road so hard with the IndyCar program this year, it's uh, hard to catch our breath, but always love coming to mid Ohio. Um, always double down on trying to figure out a way to do well at mid Ohio and, um, just continue to build the IndyCar program here. It's the Honda Indy 200 at mid Ohio, which has developed a rather long and impressive history on the schedule. What do you think the reasons are why mid Ohio and IndyCar have worked out so well going all the way back to the 1980s? I lie. A lot of it's tradition. I think uh, people in this part of the country, central Midwest-ish kind of area, have come to Mid-Ohio uh, to watch IndyCars. And I think uh, that's great. And I think Mid-Ohio or IndyCar uh, recognize that and, and make sure uh, it stays on the calendar. It's a great track to race at. Uh, you know, for us, Honda is a huge part of central Ohio and, and Marysville area. And they've got an active role here at the track for I don't even know how many years now, a lot. And um, it's great for to get the folks out there that build the products, you know, and uh, that's always good to see. 
going all the way back to when Jim Truman took over the track and, and started to put his imprint on it. Of course, he was a famed uh, sports car racer and team owner himself. And he brought in another guy who had spent some time in Ohio because his grandparents lived in the Cleveland area, Bobby Rahal. When you think back to what their roles were in helping to popularize this sport, because of the 1980s, Bobby Rahal was a pretty big name. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, you know, even though he doesn't live here anymore, he's in Florida, I believe now, but, um, you know, that's what kind of put, uh, IndyCar racing in central Ohio on the map, a uh, gym for Jim Truman and Bobby together, you know, and, you know, but to this day, a lot of guys that have come from those programs work for us now. So, um, we've chose to stay here and I uh, built a new shop about a year ago or a little less than a year ago. And, um, all our families and groups are here, so we love coming to our home race. But yet the Shank family goes back to Mid-Ohio pretty far, too. And if you could tell our listeners how it all started, your father was a sports car racer, and I know you were a kid and used to come up there and try to help out the mechanics. Yeah, I mean, I started going up there probably in 78 or 79, maybe, as a really young kid. Um, I remember a race called the Lumberman's 500, which was an endurance sprint, uh, sports car race. I was really small then, but um, I remember going up for that and um, just loved it. Just couldn't sleep the night before I knew I was going up to Mid Ohio every every time, whether I was driving when I was eight, driving race cars when I was eighteen, nineteen, to or just going crew. I just, I just, this, just the drive to Mid Ohio was something that I couldn't wait to do. And I look at those memories of all the years we've driven up and back and forth from there, and the the tears and the happiness. It's all been. It's all part of uh, certainly my life and uh, my family's life. You know, going all the way back, even before uh, Jim Truman and, and the Ray Halls were able to start racing there, it had a long history with sports car racing, with club racing. At what point did anybody ever think that, or at least in your mind, you know, wow, wouldn't it be cool if, if, a, if a series like CART raced here or if the IndyCar names were able to race here? Do you recall what it was like uh, before that series yeah. started to race at mid Ohio. I have a little bit of memory of the old layout, how the track used to be before Truman's bought it. I, I, I was definitely there before it happened. He bought it. in I think 80, I want to say or 81 and started doing all the work in 82, I believe. I'm sure there's some people that could correct me, but it's around there. And, um, to this day, I have a, uh, Maybe when you're in my shop sometime, Bruce, I have a giant wall hanging that was in Jim's office or one of his offices at Red Roof Inns of the Borg Warner, and I have it in my office today. And uh, I, I remember I, about a, about six months ago, I, I, I got a hold of Colin Truman, his son, who's my age. I said, do you remember this? He's like, yeah, I remember. I can't remember if it was in his office or in one of the offices around him, but it I means a lot to me. And, I, you know, him coming in, it's a long-winded answer, but him coming into that, I think, attracted the CART series. Him coming in, making the commitment to make that track the best it can be, and turning it into, at the time, a true uh, resort almost, or a park-like setting, uh, immediately got IndyCar involved. And, um, and, of course, we were going through a great renaissance of IndyCar during that time. It was really, really popular then, and they had a lot of big names, the answers, Andretti's, you know, Rails. Rutherford's and, you know, cool names from the history of the Indianapolis 500, you know. 
I think the first time that I covered a race at Mid-Ohio was in 93, and at that time it was actually in September when the race was held. Uh, then they moved to August, and now they've settled into a July date. How important do you think it is? Uh, well, now especially it's going to be 4th of July weekend for the second year in a row. Do you like having it on a, on the 4th of July weekend, or do you just prefer to have it any time in the month of July? Well, there's really I have two two thoughts on this, and I can understand both of them. On one side, the promoter thinks what a great destination for uh, for someone, for a family or a group to come for the July 4th weekend and go racing. And uh, on my side, because I race almost every weekend of my life, I would like to have the weekend on my lake and be able to hang out. But uh, I think it's a fine spot for it. I think the more important thing is whatever they decide is they try to get some equity in that time slot. So I'm all for keeping that. And um, uh, I don't anticipate it changing a whole lot from what I'm hearing. So. But I'll also go back to an IndyCar race at Watkins Glen in 2010. At that time, it was the IZOD IndyCar Series, and it was 4th of July weekend, and they were shooting off fireworks before the race started, driver introductions, and I remember an overhead aerial shot on TV at the time, and there was probably a dozen or two cars there. And I asked Mike Kelly at the time, who was the marketing director of IZOD, how disappointed he might be at the size of the crowd. And he says, I've got to be honest with you. It's hard to get corporate America to come out and send guests to a race on a holiday like the 4th of July. Yeah. Do you see that as being one of the issues with maybe having it on 4th of July weekend? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I think, uh, a hardcore fan is going to sign on for it, but the, the average fan or people that are looking for something to do on a weekend have something to do that weekend. And that's what I'm talking about. There's two, two schools of thoughts on this. Um, I, 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 I would like that if, if you made me choose, I would choose off holiday weekend um, just because of that very reasons, you know, partners, sponsors, marketing partners are our lifeblood. And uh, there, that comment from the IZOD person was dead on. And uh, we, we run up against it even today. Another point of view, your TV partner, NBC, probably is looking for programming for 4th of July weekend because there's, other than Major League Baseball, it's usually not a weekend where there's a lot of premier sports going on. That's a good point. That's a good point. And by the way, you know, people will be at their local watering holes or pools with TVs on and, and they're likely to, to, to care enough to turn. So you, there you go. So there's another reason why it make, may make some sense. You know, I just like to make sure, you know, we go to a racetrack, we want that facility. We want that thing to be full for everybody's sake, everybody from the promoter to the series, to the teams for our sponsors. And when, you know, I don't think that I, in fact, I think we'll have a good crowd this weekend actually, but um, could it be better? Maybe, maybe if we changed. From a race team and a race fan's perspective, I've always said it's like the uh, IndyCar's version of a weekend of Boy Scout camp. Everybody packs up the camper and goes out there rather than, you know, a lot of the teams and everybody still stays in, in hotels and motels in the area. But a lot of fans and even some of the crew guys will bring a camper over and stay at the track. And does that make it one of the cool atmospheres that you experience at an IndyCar race? Yes. Now, so that's a, now that's a great thing you bring up there. This is, and I don't have a great answer why this is, but this is the track that most of the folks that work in racing like to bring their motor homes or campers or tents 
and and party and have fun in the evenings. Uh, this is a, this is that track. I just don't ever hear about it at any other track except for Mid Ohio. Uh, so that is kind of interesting, actually, uh, and I think that's pretty cool. Now, as far as what it means to the community when you drive through these cornfields, you drive through a lot of Amish areas in order to get to the track, and it's unique to contrast. Here are people who drive horse and buggies without electricity, and a mile or two up the road, here we've got Indy cars, yeah. you know, pushing the limits of internal combustion engine technology. Just the contrast to that, I've always found to be very unique to that area. It is. I've not thought of it that way, but now that you say that, it absolutely is. Uh, don't have a lot to add to that except to say you're right. Um, but I'm used to it. You know, we're used to having to dodge buggies on the roads back there, the back roads there. Uh, and, uh, that's just the way it is. I, I love that facility. Some, you know, I would love that to be my, uh, my, uh, retirement gig is to own that track. That's for sure. Speaking of owning the track, uh, recently it's been owned by uh, green Sabri promotions and they've put their own uh, unique stamp onto the facility. And the one thing that I guess you've got to give up to these guys is the fact that going all the way back to 2020, uh, they weren't going to host that race until they got permission from the governor of Ohio that they could actually have a crowd. And that race that year was held in September, but there was a pretty good crowd showed up, even though it was limited. And to be able to stick with something through a, a rough time like they did, because a lot of people also may not know, that's a ownership group that controls four races on the schedule. Without Green Savory Promotions, the IndyCar schedule wouldn't be very big. So in a lot of ways, how much admiration do you have for the ability for them to stick with this through tough times? I think any any company like this that relies on dollars or, you know, tourist dollars to come to their facilities that were hurt, they, if they made it through this, it's a it's a something well well said and well done. Um, I think it's a, a very admirable and very, very difficult thing to do. And uh, probably still paying uh, the repercussions of that, obviously, today. Um, so I'm grateful. I'm grateful for, you know, Pansky, Roger, you know, doing the same thing with our series and uh, kind of holding us up to those times. And uh, now we just want to get the product out to the people and uh, keep tuning on it, making it a better experience for everybody that comes to the track, whether you're a fan or a sponsor partner. Uh, or a vendor to us, you know, uh, we owe it to these folks to, um, you know, a put on a great show and, 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 and be hospitable to people that want to come spend time with us. And that's why I think we're extremely fan friendly. Um, and we've doubled down on it on my team anyway. And two weeks after the Honda Indy 200 at mid Ohio, the series will be returning to Toronto for the first time since 2019 with the Honda Indy Toronto. It's another green savory race. And when you think about it, that's a big deal. When you think that we're, that's the last race on the current schedule that's going to return that had been halted because of the pandemic. Yeah, it is. And, uh, you know, I haven't been there since I, I was in, I've been in IndyCar. <laughs> so it'll be a, a new experience for us. We have, uh, we have Sirius Canada, Sirius XM Canada that has come in and is going to be the primary sponsor on both our cars. And um, we look forward to that. So we know it's a great event. The people love it. Have a big, big turnout. Seems like it's pretty wide open up there now. It's easier to get back into the U.S. now. 
And, um, you know, my IMSA cars are headed there tomorrow for this weekend at Mossport, just east of Toronto there. And uh, we'll get we'll kind of do get through a pre-run to see how logistics challenges are. But uh, I'm ready to go back. And you have two drivers that are ready to go back to Mid-Ohio. One is Simon Pagino, who's currently 10th in points, but he's only 96 points behind the leader, Marcus Erickson. And when you look at the standings, the top 11 drivers are within 100 points of each other, basically close to the halfway point of the season. That's a pretty tough competition right there. How do you explain just how tight the championship is right now? Uh, a couple things. I think um, the technology of where we're at on the cars right now today, because they're kind of what you and I would call a spec car. I think we've, we just we all have worked on them so much. They are so equal to each other. The talent is so good right now it's just it's just kind of funneled us into this area where you know what i always tell people if you're on the bad side of one tenth of one second on the bad side of that you're six eight ten places back literally and um we've had that happen a couple times this year if you're on the good tenth you're up in the top five or six you transfer all the way on the bad side you're you're at 14th or 17th you know and um that's really tricky but you know it's crazy just when i think we have done everything we can with these cars and there's something else some little thing something that we try some combination of settings that make the car just a little easier a little more balanced uh i think that's why you see a tight championship like this um we're 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 a, a podium away from being fifth in the championship right and that's that's amazing so um we i got the right guys right i got smart guys I got, I, obviously I've got some, a little bit older guys, but I like, I like, um, I like their, what they're bringing to our team and it's exactly what I had hoped for. So as Simon Pagino delivered exactly what you thought he would when he made the decision to leave team Penske and join your operation. Yes, exactly. Yes. The only way to answer that is absolutely. Uh, and, um, I, I and, and, and what I'm finding, actually, this is the, the bonus of it. It's getting stronger. So, you know, it, take, it takes time. It's not a month. It's six months to a year for a group to get together and wiggle around and start really pushing the same direction. And meaning the, the, the competition director over there, Adam, knows what the guys need, you know, log, uh, you know logistically. And, and, you know, the engineer knows what the, the driver really needs because he can't drive Colton's car, say, or... Rossi's car. We got to figure this out for them. And then, by the way, they don't drive each other's cars, right? But we always know what the other's doing. That's the beauty of it. Um, but both of these guys, we're still going through that 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 process to figure out exactly what our guys need to be competitive. And that's literally what our number one goal is. Because if that happens, the results will take care of themselves. Of course, you have the Engineering Alliance with Andretti Autosport, which is why you can look at your data uh, against the, their driver's data. How valuable is that? It's invaluable. There's no price you can put on it. In fact, you could even argue that it's too much sometimes because there's so much clutter, so much noise out there. So we've got it honed down pretty well with the Andretti group. We're, we're very happy with that relationship. And... Um, we think we have the best of both worlds. We have our independence when we need it, and we have support when we need it, and we have a basis to go from when we need it. And uh, you know, we pay a, we pay dearly for it, but you know, that's it's it's got a value. And we chose Jim Meyer, and I chose 
you know, I've talked about this many, many times. We we chose to go that path and try to have results, uh, and and it's 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 worked ninety percent for us, no question about it. Of course, your other driver is four-time Indianapolis 500 winner Elio Castroneves. He's currently 17th in points, but he's, according to this, only 157 points out of the lead. Of course, that would be a tough challenge for him because he'd have to have the 16 drivers in front of him. It all have to have major trouble for him to leapfrog over him. But when you look at the fact that he's 17th, but only 157 points out, once again, explains just how competitive this series is from top to bottom. Yeah, it's crazy. I, I've just never been a part of anything that, that, that is this hard in racing. I mean, it is really, really difficult to do well and consistently do well. I mean, you, you, you got one weekend, we qualify them both in the Fast Six at Detroit, and the next weekend, not as good, right? And there's, you know, we got the same people, the same staff. You know, we're just not giving them exactly what they need. My focus is to give these guys what they're asking for. And expect results when we get it there. Um, so we continue to do that. At Detroit, we rolled off the trailer really fast, and that was great. And that's what we need to do at Mid Ohio. We need to qualify better. That's really what we're talking about here. Qualifying is so important in IndyCar now to get that track position. Got to come off the trailer strong, which is a combination of experience, simulation work, and car setup. Now, this is Elio's first full-time season in IndyCar since 2017. He had switched over and was driving the Acura sports car when it was Acura Team Penske. Now, the Acura effort uh, is is your team and also Wayne Taylor Racing. So, to be able to operate a successful IndyCar program and a successful IMSA program I'm sure that doesn't leave a whole lot of time for sleep for Michael Shank. In fact, I'm, I'm literally sitting here right now thinking I'm going to leave the office here shortly and have a quick dinner and go to bed <laughs> because I'm worn out and uh, it is tough. The, uh, the IMSA program is doing really, really well. We had a heartbreaker Sunday, yesterday. Should have won that race. Uh, in my opinion, we had done everything near, damn near perfect and, and just got beat, snookered on a, uh, a last you know, 10 minute restart. So, uh, but that program, you know, we're the, the two accurates are battling it out for the championship and that's going to be brutal. Um, but um, we're getting stronger there. And uh, it's very important to me that that program be every bit as good and strong as uh, the IndyCar. So uh, between the two of them, it, I rely a lot on these people that work here and um, they know it, and it's their baby, and I expect them to, to, to race like I want to race. And, um, and it's, it's, you know, I'm very pleased. I'm very proud also. And going back to Elio, he's a former winner at Mid-Ohio, having won there back in the cart days uh, in 2001. How do you explain what it's going to be like for him to return uh, to a track that he's very familiar with? He's run a lot of laps there, and I'm sure he's a fan favorite there. Yeah, he's a fan favorite everywhere. He is a he is a bundle of energy, the best ambassador we've ever had for our sponsors. Um, he is absolutely ready to uh, go to Mid Ohio and uh, super enthusiastic about you know trying to improve on where we've been this year. Uh, you know, we we're working on our deal with him for next year. We're not there yet, but we're we're trying. Uh, I see value in running him in two years in a row uh, full time. So we'll see where that goes. But you know. He's still got that same fire 
Uh, I haven't seen anything that tells me any different. And, uh, and I'll tell you what proves that is I, I put him in as the anchor at the Rolex 24 this year and he won the race, you know, with us. And, um, uh, let, let's just see, we're going to keep working on it. And, uh, I hit his, his good results aren't, uh, aren't done yet. And also, I think he's an example of what happens when the Indy 500 is a double points race. Because if you do well, the double points are really going to play in your benefit. But if you don't have a good race there, it's double the penalty in many ways because of the way uh, the points are. Well, I mean, he finished, he started 27th and finished 7th. <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, and he did it the hard way. Yeah. He passed, he passed people to get there, right? Yeah. And, and, uh, uh, I actually, I, I've actually think that seventh, the double point seventh has actually helped us, not hurt us. Now, you bring up a good point, though. You know, we weren't as strong as we were at the 500 last year when we won it. And uh, so now, from a priority standpoint and the double points thing that you bring up now, we've got to get, you know, we got to get our race cars better there. So, and qualifying cars. So, we're going to do that. And I, I promise when we come back there, we'll be stronger next year. Plus, they, they gave points this year for the Fast 12, which were points he wasn't able to collect. But to be able to drive forward to finish seventh in that race, is that almost an example of sometimes the best races a driver has are the ones where he doesn't end up in victory lane? Yeah, for sure. No question about it. They worked hard. You know, you know, both our, we finished seventh and eighth this year, right? And that's as hard as we've ever worked for a seventh and eighth. And But this is exactly why I hired these guys, because even when it goes – kind of pear-shaped like it wasn't great but we just kept working on it they kept work you know simon was up to fifth or sixth when when at the end there when we had a kind of a tough restart but you know that and he qualified 20th right so um i hired these guys to try i because i think they're very good at that ims track right on the oval side of it and um I think we're going to get we're, we're going to get some results out of that that place before we're done with it with these boys. And also, I'm sure you didn't realize, but it was a pretty good uh, stock car driver from what he's done in SRX this season. He won the season <laughs> opener, and that was a big deal for Elio Castroneves to go out there and beat these stock car names like Tony Stewart and some of the other legends that were out there racing. You know, Bill Elliott, Tony Stewart, names like that. I think that just goes to show you, like. Uh, Right there, right there alone to win against that group on a short track, kind of USA special. You know, that's, that's not easy. And he finished fifth, you know, that last Saturday night too. So, I mean, he, 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 he knows what he's doing. And, uh, um, and I think he's actually enjoying it now. I think he just really loves it. He truly is, even when it's not going great or gets frustrated, which he does, he gets frustrated when it doesn't go well. Um, you know, it, it, he's still loving what he's doing. And uh, that part's that part's wonderful. He said the week after the race that he wants to run the Daytona 500. How supportive would you be of him to be able to do that? I'd support it 100. Um, percent I'm, I'm I would support it. So I think I want to do what he wants to do, and um, you know I will see if that actually. It, I can't. I don't have really insight on it right now. I don't know if that really has legs yet or not. But uh, we'll see. Remember, I ran Justin Marks for two years in my sports car, so. And he seems to be doing pretty well, especially as a team owner in NASCAR these days. He's made his way, that's for sure. Just going back to your IMSA program real quick, uh, to see the level of competition that the Acres have become, I know you still see room for improvement, but to be able to be in the 
top Acura level now, uh, before you were in the NSX level, what's it like to be able to be in the big cars now representing Acura? Well, I mean, to me, it was the ultimate step that I wanted to personally make, you know, a factory-backed prototype program. And we took the IMSA GTD program for four years for them to try to, you know, prove our worth. And we won almost three championships in a row. We lost the third, the first one by one point, and then the next two we won. And um, it was just, just, just to show them that we're committed. And now, having said that, when, when it actually all happened and, and, you know, we got going last year, we had a tough kind of what I call six months. The first six months with the program was really rough on our team. And, um, and we, it, 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 it was probably necessary in some ways to kind of regroup and re refocus and change some things on our side, which we did. And, and now we're seeing the results of it. You know, we've, we've podiumed five of seven weekends and, um, or we're, you know, back and forth every other weekend with the other actor on who's leading the championship. And, uh, we pulled what we're, I think we're 160 points clear of uh, the Cadillacs now. So. Uh, and I just think that's because both of us have executed better this year. Um, not perfect, but better. And uh, when you have a group, now it's a small group of six, seven cars, but every car is highly professionally run, you know, with really good, you know, drivers. Um, and it's uh, it's an honor. It's a it's a real honor to be you know dicing it up with these guys and, and have a shot at the championship. Now, after Toronto. Actually, I believe Toronto is the beginning of a really grueling part of the season where there'll be uh, it'll be Toronto, then a doubleheader in the daytime at Iowa Speedway. That's got to really be tough because, you know, it's probably going to be about 95 degrees out there both days. Then it's going to be back to the road course in Indianapolis. Then it's going to be the streets of Nashville. That plus your IMSA program. How are you going to be able to juggle all this? Well, we, you know, we have good, again, it's all people related. So when I'm, when I can't be, you know, so I still talk to Simon on the car. And so I, I got to be at the IndyCar races for the time being. So when I can't, then, you know, we send Matt Swan, who is a veteran of the IndyCar Ganassi organization. We send him to help run that program when I can't be. So uh, it's just pe- good people covering for good people. And uh, I'm always, you know, with the, with technology these days and, uh, a thing called discord on, on, on our computer. I, I can be on our timing stand on the intercom and listen while the session's going on. So I really can stay very connected to, to the, the sports car team when I'm not there. It wasn't that long ago where you were only running six races or 10 races in the season. Now you have two full-time competitors, a beautiful new shop, Things are really on an upward swing for you. Do you sit back sometimes and say, I'm one of the most fortunate guys on earth, or what have I gotten myself into? No, it's the first one. I, 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 I think more along the lines of, I've, no, I've asked for it, so I just think about how fortunate I am. And I have to remind myself of that sometimes when I'm throw down tired or stressed from not running well or something not going well, and uh, how lucky we are to be able to, to be able to do this at this level with this kind of success that we've had, um, never dreamed that we could get this big and this, this good. <laughs> and, um, uh, I look back on how we ran the Daytona prototype category back in the day, you know, in the late two thousands and it's just advanced so far from there now. Uh, it's, uh, it's all people and, um, I'm very lucky. 
Michael Shank, team owner with Elio Castroneves and Simon Pagano. Congratulations on what you've accomplished so far, and good luck the rest of the season, and thank you for joining us today on Pit Pass Indy. Anytime. We'll be right back to Pit Pass Indy after this short break. In the world of racing, Penske means performance and winning. For good reason. Since 1966, Team Penske has won 44 national championships, 17 in IndyCar alone. And last year, Team Penske claimed its Indianapolis 500 record-extending 19th Indy 500 win with Joseph Newgarden, the latest driver, to win the famed race. Team Penske also won its second straight NASCAR Cup Series championship. In 2022, Penske was the first team in history to win both the IndyCar and the NASCAR Cup Series championships in the same season. Team Penske enters the 2024 NTT IndyCar Series season with 236 IndyCar wins, including 34 500-mile race victories. Those are results that are tough to top. But Penske's legendary reputation for quality and attention to detail makes a statement off the track, too. When you need a truck, whether for your business or for a household move, Penske Truck Rental has some of the cleanest, newest, and best-maintained vehicles on the road. And we make it easy with personalized support from our associates, flexible reservations, and access to the top technology. With quick pickup and drop-off at more than 2,500 locations across North America, our scale and know-how will keep you covered, all helping to ensure you get the right, reliable, fuel-efficient vehicle when and where you need it. On the highways, the raceways, and every pit stop in between, Penske keeps you moving forward. Gain ground with Penske. Get a quote today at PenskeTruckRental.com or... For household rentals, download the Penske Truck Rental mobile app today. Welcome back to this week's edition of Pit Pass Indy. IndyCar did not have a race over the last two weekends, so teams took advantage of the off time to test. As we noted in last week's show, 19 of its cars and drivers tested at Iowa Speedway in Newton, Iowa in a private test on the .875 mile short oval on June 20th. That facility will host the High V Deals.com 250 on Saturday, July 23, and the High V Salute to Farmers 300 on Sunday, July 24, with both races on NBC. On Thursday, June 23, seven drivers tested on the 14-turn, 2.439-mile road course at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Those drivers included Devlin DeFrancesco, Roman Grosjean, Colton Herta, Kyle Kirkwood, Pato Award, and Alexander Rossi. That was a private Andretti Autosport test with Aero McLaren SP choosing to participate with award. Four drivers tested on Monday, June 27 at Sebring International Raceway, a track that will help simulate street course racing on July 17 at Toronto and August 7th at Nashville. Those drivers included Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan's Jack Harvey, Christian Lungard, Graham Ray Hall, 
and Indy Lights presented by Cooper Tire star Benjamin Peterson with Junco's Hollinger Racing. In addition to winning the 106th Indianapolis 500, Marcus Erickson of Chip Ganassi Racing is the NTT IndyCar Series points leader. He is 27 points ahead of second place Will Power of Team Penske. Power is followed by Errol McLaren SP's Pato Award, 45 points out of the lead. Defending NTT IndyCar Series champion Alex Pelot is fifth, 47 points out. Six-time NTT IndyCar Series champion Scott Dixon is sixth, 69 points behind the leader, followed by Alexander Rossi, 75 out, Felix Rosenquist, 90 back of the leader, Scott McLaughlin, 94 points behind, and Simon Pagano, 96 points out. There are 11 drivers within 100 points of the championship lead. Colton Herta is 11th, 97 points out. And that puts a checkered flag on this edition of Pit Pass Indy. We want to thank our guest, team owner Michael Shank of Meyer Shank Racing, for joining us on today's podcast. Along with loyal listeners like you, our guests help make Pit Pass Indy your path to victory lane for all things IndyCar. For more IndyCar coverage, follow me at Twitter at Bruce Martin, one word, uppercase B, uppercase M, underscore 500. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcast. A special thanks to our production team. Executive producers are Bridget Coyne and Gerardo Orlando. Recordings and edits were done by me, Bruce Martin, and final mixing was done by Dave Douglas. Learn more at evergreenpodcast.com. Until next time, be sure to keep it out of the wall. Stay ahead of the pack with the latest racing news and interviews from the Hammerdown Racing Report. Your source for regional racing action as well as the national scene. Every week, we recap racing action from all around Northwest Ohio and Southeast Michigan and cover national racing series from the world of outlaws to NASCAR. Plus, get all the latest racing news. Join hosts Scott Hammer and Ron Miller, along with different featured guests each week. From dirt to asphalt, we have you covered. The Hammerdown Racing Report, available weekly on your favorite podcasting platform.